Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. As we kick off hour number two, we welcome in our good friend from Houston, Aaron Wilson. He's at Channel 2. He's an NFL insider, covers the Houston Texans like a glove, and just ran into Aaron at his combine in uh, Indianapolis. And Aaron, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. want to jump right into it. Uh, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, I know you got some ties and you got some uh, connections there in Baltimore as well. How do you see this scenario shaking out with him getting the non-exclusive franchise tag? Uh, he's allowed to go out there and negotiate with other teams, but has to bring it back to Baltimore. Is this ultimately just Baltimore testing the market by way of other teams? Yeah, I anticipate him playing for the Ravens again. I think, obviously, this will be some things to work through this offseason, the relationship, and being, uh, you, know, you know, probably not super happy with each other at this point, but... I don't sense a breakup coming. They just, you know, they're kind of a critical stage of the relationship, but I don't anticipate this ending. And the other teams, and I've been told this very directly, like, for example, the Miami Dolphins are not in on this, the Texans, there's just a lot of teams that aren't interested. And some of this, too, is the player. You know, he's had injuries. So there have been some questions about his willingness to play with injuries. There have been a few things that, I feel like have affected his how he's considered around the league, and you know, that, I think that's that's not unfair to talk about. You know, because you have to always evaluate every player and their value on an annual basis. You can't pay for the past; you got to pay on the future. It's true. That's a good point there. So, uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson, he's out there on, on the open market. Uh, looks like he's going to be returning to Baltimore. And what, what kind of contract do you think that he's really ultimately going to end up having to settle for? I think that he could have a total higher than Deshaun Watson's at some point. I just don't think he'll have that amount of guaranteed money. I think it, it really is like the – I know Steve Bishotti a long time, and he's a man of his word. When he says he's an outlier, that's how he feels. He's not going to change how he feels about it. And he, A lot of these owners don't like the contract that they did for Deshaun, especially with him you know, being involved in the legal issues that he was involved in. That's an issue because they don't. They have a problem with it. They they feel some kind of way about that. Aaron Wilson is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. Go ahead, Demond. Well, you just mentioned Steve Bashotti and him not being a fan of that Deshaun Watson contract. And I know that this is just a particular case with Lamar Jackson, but do you see any quarterback in the near distant future, maybe a Joe Herbert, excuse me, a Justin a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow getting a guaranteed contract? Definitely not Burrow because of the ownership of the Bengals and the amount of money that you have to have an escrow for that kind of deal. I think that's been a major problem with the Bengals. That is their sole business. They're not that diversified. Whereas, like, some of these other owners, they're just very personally wealthy, like, say, Steve Bishotti or Jimmy Haslam, because they have sort of like a business empire. But, you know, they're more of a mom-and-pop operation, the Bengals. They have small departments. They have lower salaries. And that's a reality for them. Now, I know that you were in the combine in Indy last week, and the Texans, they made the worst move ever by winning that last game of the season. <laughs> now they're at the number two pick. So how do you see, do you think that Bryce Young is still number one for them on their big board? Yes, but they face competition for him. 
And if they don't trade up, they do risk losing him. There's a very good chance that Carolina can move up. Colts like him. Colts also like CJ Stroud. I think they like CJ Stroud more than a lot of these other teams. They have a really high opinion on him. I think it's, it's an interesting situation because all these quarterbacks have some kind of flaw. There's mm-hmm. no perfect prospect at all. In my opinion, I wouldn't, I'm a GM and I'm not, I wouldn't trade up for any of them. I wouldn't trade up for these players. I like the defensive players so much more, including Carter, even in light of you know, what's happened, the allegations, the uh, racing. In my opinion, he's still just an outstanding player. And, you know, look at the quarterbacks. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't take a real super scout to realize there's something up with all these guys. A lot of talent, a lot of upside, but, you know, you'd like to have quarterbacks who, you know, better in college or better size. There's something wrong with all of them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they they all do have some kind of warts. And so, Aaron, you, you talk to a lot of people. Uh, you know a lot of connections around the NFL. What is the kind of overall feelings right now on Will Levitz and, and Anthony Richardson? Well, Will, they love his arm, but, you know, they had issues with how inconsistent he was. You know, his personality, it's okay. He's confident. I, I don't mind that. I, I like that in, in some ways. But, you know, it didn't really lead to – I'm big on actions, not words, you know. You can talk about what you're going to do and, and this and that, but what has he done? Hasn't done much. You know, didn't succeed at Penn State. Had to transfer to play. I just don't really see it. I think he's a good prospect, but, you know, he reminds me a little bit. You think about guys that were overdrafted a little bit, like Jake Locker, mm. um, you know, Drew Locke. I'm just not that excited. With Anthony Richardson, really excited about his athletic potential. I think he should have went back to school, but he's going to want to be a first-round draft pick and a top-ten pick anyway. And he, I think he has such a you know, special upside, but you have to be patient with him. You're gonna, you cannot, well, you can, but it's not advisable to throw this kid into the fire as a rookie. Maybe a lot of these rookies, but I would feel the most comfortable with Young or Stroud playing early. And either of those players, I think, can be successful as rookies. I know. Talk right, talking right now with Aaron Wilson from uh, from the Channel Two News, or Channel Two in uh, in Houston here on Radio Nation Radio Nine Twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Demond. I know that you're located in Houston now, but you still got sources all over. I got to ask you about the hot topic of the week, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> do you think he's going to end up in New York? I do. I do think he'll be a New York Jet, and they'll get this thing done. I don't think that both owners and the rest of the Jets brass get on that plane if they're not pretty far down the road. And they will bring this home, in my opinion. They'll get it done. And when it comes to the trading and the compensation, what do you think would be fair compensation for Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career? I would say, you know, third round draft pick, maybe a couple of mid round picks like that. Mm. I think that'd be fair. Especially since they're only bidding against themselves, it feels like. Yes, absolutely, because there isn't another suitor out there. You know, the Raiders thing didn't materialize. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting with the Raiders because and we'll probably discuss Jimmy G at some point in this call, but yep. you know, what what is behind door number two for the Raiders? 
Something else that I wanted to talk about, not Jimmy G just yet. I'll save that for Q because <laughs> that's Q's boy right there. Is it? But when we talk about like, that AFC South, the Colts, where they're looking at in the draft, do you think that they're going to be the team that potentially trades up for that number one pick? I would say Colts or Carolina. Those are the two most likely hmm. to move up and do it. Even out of those guys. There's one Harry. That's a lot of draft capital if Carolina moves up, but I can see it. They need, I mean, you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback, so they have to do what they have to do. Well, Aaron, let's go ahead and jump right into it. DeMond set me up. He said Jimmy G's my guy. He's not my guy. I'm actually confused by the hype and the love around Jimmy G. What am I missing, Aaron, when it comes to Jimmy G, why so many teams are being associated, even the Houston Texans are being associated with Jimmy G in his right. landing spot? So what's very interesting is it comes back to connections and relationships. So he has that background with Josh McDaniels. Also has that background with Nick Casario, Bobby Slowick, and Debico Ryans. And it won't only come down to that, it'll come down to money. And I think that the Texans are willing to play on a one-year more than other teams. I think it will be a one-year deal in that sense, whether they you know, spread it out with the cap or however they handle it. And the Texans, I believe, are the favorite to have Jimmy and it's just a comfortable situation for them to have some quarterback rather than Davis Mills, and then you don't have to be forced to play the rookie. They want to handle this thing with the rookie very well, and then if you're the Raiders, you know, you have other options. It's not like you have to get Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G is essentially a Band-Aid. Right. You know, Jimmy G is a downgrade from Derek Carr, and I say that with all respect to both those gentlemen, but I would say Derek is better than Jimmy. I don't know if anyone would argue with me. You guys are there. Oh, I agree with you 100%, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I would I have just, I mean, if I'm the Raiders, if you don't have a surefire path, especially with where they're drafting, to be sure that you're going to get one of these other quarterbacks. I mean, let's say even if they could get Levis or Richardson, you don't know if that's going to be successful and how long it's going to take. Right. So let's say you're not getting Bryce, you're not getting CJ, you're not getting Rodgers. Then what are you looking at? Are you looking at a rebuild? Right. Because that's why I'm looking at it now. I mean, especially because to me, Jimmy only gets you so far, and then he, you know, no knock on him, but he's going to get hurt. Right. Uh, I have a friend that says, uh, he, he works in the NFL. He's not being trying to be too funny. But he says, hurt guys get hurt. Yep. That's he's one of those guys. Yep. He's in, the, he's in the training room a lot. And he has bad luck or he's brittle or whatever it might be, but he gets hurt. And I think past injuries predict future injuries. I agree. I agree 100%. That's been one of my biggest arguments against Jimmy G is the fact that, well, you got him for maybe six games, and then who knows what happens. And I, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's an upgrade over Derek Carr. If you're going to move on from Carr, you might as well get you a better quarterback that is potentially out there. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be interesting. Uh, before we let you go, Aaron, I wanted to ask you about the situation that happened in Houston with them being docked a little bit. Uh, kind of under, make us understand what happened in, in Houston and why they're getting, they're getting, I guess, fined and docked a, a draft pick. Right. The Texans feel that they did nothing wrong, that this is a sort of an accounting issue related to how they handled Deshaun Watson being paid to have a place to work out when the facility was closed. And I know the pandemic seems like a long time ago, but I, you know, I recall that time and the players couldn't be in the facility. So some of them even took weights home and things like that. I don't know if that was a cap violation or an extra benefit. But the NFL uncovered this during their investigation to 
the personal conduct policy investigation to Deshaun Watson and the sexual misconduct allegations. So when they were looking into that, they discovered that not just the NBA thing, but that he was given a spa membership and a gym, uh, a very fancy place called the Houstonian. I worked out there once. Uh, I have a relative that's a member. I can't afford that place, but <laughs> I had lunch over there one time, and I got to use the gym. And it's really nice. Uh, it's smaller than, so like, I go on 24-hour fitness, plug for you guys, 24-hour fitness. There you but, go. So we're there, but this was the place that they had, and it cost, I think, $26,777 exactly. So he's working out there and maintaining his fitness, and eventually, obviously, he signs the four-year $156 million extension. And what they probably could have said is it's an inducement, but they didn't. They're saying... You know, to get him to sign. You know, there, there was some that thought that, uh, you know, privately would say that to me, like, hey, him having this membership. I never wrote about it. I didn't think it was that big a deal, mm-hmm. um, especially when the rules were very different during COVID. I mean, it was a chaotic time. But, yeah, their position is that they didn't knowingly violate any rule. And then I've heard more that they feel like this is can be blamed on how it was accounted for in terms of salary versus, you know, trying to furnish the players with a place to work out. Wow. So to me, I, I think, you know, a fifth-round pick in $175,000, that's a pretty steep price to pay. But, mm-hmm. You know, the league, when it comes to salary cap stuff, you know, they don't mess around. So they're going to punish you, and they did. Uh, this all did precede Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan, so this is, they're paying for some things from the past. I don't think it's that nefarious. I'm not really, like... To me, I've already like kind of taken the story, written it, done what I'm going to do with it, and I'm on to the next thing and on the free agency and mm-hmm. see what happens with that. And you know, I, I think there's a very good chance Jimmy G comes here, like I say, and you know, we'll see if they get that thing done. Maybe it's next week. He's joining the Texans, possibly on a one-year deal. But yeah, and I don't look at that thing as like that big a deal, right? Uh, yeah, they did get a seventh round. Uh, supplemental pick today too. There it is. You, know, you, lose picks you get picks back. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Well, Deshaun Watson, I guess he's the gift that keeps on giving when it comes to the Houston Texans. They can't, they can't get their name away from Deshaun fast enough. Well, Aaron, fantastic stuff, man. What are you going to be uh, working on that we should be on the lookout for? I am tracking free agency. I've had a couple of new stories. Uh, they weren't probably the biggest ones. Scott Quisenberry agreed to terms. With the Texans, I expect uh, they're going to cut Jalen Reeves maybe at the start of the league year, and I anticipate a big D-tackle market. I think Draymond Jones will get $18 million a year. I think Jerron Hargrave gets $20 million a year. Oof. And look for some of these offensive linemen to get paid. The center market's pretty rich. The Postiches and the Garrett Adburys and Connor McGoverns and even Jake Brindell, uh in the Bay Area. I think he's going to do well. The Niners want him back. Those are some of the things I'm hearing, and I do think the safety mark, especially Jesse Bates III, is going to be really rich. And look for some other safeties, even guys further down the line, like the two Rams guys, Taylor Rapp and Nick Scott. Mm. They're going to have a lot of connection, too. Boom. All right. Well, Vinny told us earlier that there was going to be a lot of moving and shaking next week. You're telling us a lot of moving and shaking. I think we should pay attention to next week so we can see all the moving and shaking. So, Aaron, fantastic stuff, man. It was great catching up with you at the Combine. Uh, Appreciate meeting you in person. Uh, Thanks so much for your time. And we'll catch up soon. Appreciate you. Bye. Thanks.
There he goes, Aaron Wilson. Good dude right there from H-Town. Channel 2 News is where he covers the NFL as an insider. Used to be with the Houston Chronicle for a very long time, similar to John McClain. Uh, now he's there at Channel 2 and uh, covers the Texans and, of course, the NFL like a glove. So there it is, Damon. Two, two different folks have told us there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking and a lot of breaking news next week for uh, NFL free agency. So I think that what we should do is probably just buckle up. Oh, yeah, but also I liked how he mentioned that the Texans may want Jimmy G a little bit more than the Raiders. I fist pump. I know nobody can see it, but I fist pump for real, man. I was like, yes. I don't think – and you know what's going to happen, and I said it the other day. He's going to end up signing with the Raiders. I'm going to have to interview him, and I'm not going to be – you know, I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because that's what we do. We're professionals. But I know in my heart someone's going to tell me, like, ha, Q, your boy. What are you going to do with your boy? (laughs) <laughs> Tell your boy how much you like him. I already know. I already know those texts and everything are coming in. Hell, Demon, you're already saying, "Oh, Jimmy G, that's Q's boy." No, it's not. It's but not I've got to ask you: If you were Jimmy G, Q, if it was up to you, where you know the type of player you are, would you want to go to the Texans, where you know you at least got this year? They're probably going to start you the entire year, or go to the Raiders, where you could probably think, "Hey, maybe we can make it to the playoffs." But you know that they want to start the guy a little sooner. It's it's a really a lose lose situation, no matter what. It is, yeah. I think I would rather go to the Raiders only because the weapons that I would have to play with are better than what they are in Houston. But I might not get to play as long in 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 Las Vegas as I would with Houston. You know what I mean? Like so. And I, I think don't. Houston would be more money. I think for me, if Houston was like, "Hey, we'll give you that thirty-five million guarantee just for one season," right? And the Raiders are offering, you know, twenty million. I don't. I don't you know what? I don't. I don't buy that either. I know Vinny said that, and I respect everything Vinny says uh, as a colleague, as a as a friend. I mean, as everything. But I don't see any quarterback signing for twenty million dollars, especially a guy that's already known like Jimmy G. And I, I'll be the first to say he's not that good. But when Vinny said something about him signing for like twenty-three, twenty-five, I'm thinking where. Right, I mean, I, I wouldn't if I'm a quarterback, and there's only there's only so much of me out there, right? Supply and demand tells me that I need to make more than that. If I see Geno Smith getting paid what he's getting paid, and I see Daniel Jones getting paid what he's getting paid, hell, I've made it to the Super Bowl, regardless if it was my fault or not. I still made it to the Super Bowl. I'm I got to get paid something. You you know they say know your worth. You got to know your worth. So I, I don't think that Jimmy G, and this is just me, I could be absolutely wrong. Vinny could be spot on, and he probably is more than I am. I would think he gets no less than $35 million a year. I would think there's no less. And that's why I don't think that it's worth signing him. Like Aaron just said, he ain't better than Derek Carr. And Derek Carr was going to get, what, 40 guaranteed? I'm not trying to bring up old stuff and keep bringing his name up, but, I mean, I think that's the truth of the matter, and that's what I thought from the jump. Like, he's not better, in my opinion. The only thing that he is is better with is the fact that he knows Josh McDaniels. And if that's worth the price of of business, then that's the risk that you take. You know, and I get it. I tell you all the time, it's about about relationships. It's not always about what you could do or who you are. It's about who you know, you know, the relationships you have. Told you, in this business, I've only applied for a job once. (laughs) And the whole time I've done radio, I've only applied once. So there's that. Or at least I've only gotten a job that I applied for once. How about that? Everything else is based off of because someone knew me. That's just some relationship, man. That's just, I mean, it's just how it is. So I don't know, man. I'm not I, – I, we'll see. Next week I'm going to have my fingers crossed, man. I'm, every time I fall asleep and wake back up, I'm going to look at my phone and be like, please, no, please, no, please, no, please, no. That's going to be one of those. I don't root against anybody, but that's something I'm rooting against. I am I am steadfast on rooting against the Raiders signing Jimmy G. I don't care. I'll go to my grave saying that. 
Uh, and we'll see what happens next week. Obviously, free agency opens up on the 15th, but the tampering period begins on Monday. 3.22 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Uh, we'll get to Ted Wynn from The Athletic. Matter of fact, Damon, do you want me to just stick here and get a couple texts in and then go to break, or what do you want to do? Yeah, we can get a couple texts in and then go to break. All right, because I, I just realized I went a little bit long with Aaron there. So uh, Big Dub Raider just said, Q, you interviewing Jimmy G would be like Joe Budden interviewing the Migos. <laughs> hopefully DeMond hopefully knows that reference. LOL, go Raiders. That's funny. Wrap it up then. That, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, we got a text from the 334. Jermaine wasn't that bad. Alex Bars was extremely bad at pass pro. No, you're right. Jermaine wasn't that bad. Talking about Jermaine Illuminor on the offensive line. He just wasn't the steadfast guy. He's a better swing tackle than he is just a, a right tackle. He's better as a, a Swiss Army knife. Like, hey, you need a guy to plug in a spot? He is that guy. He's Johnny on the spot. But I don't think he's a solidified right tackle where you know that, hey, your, your, your bookends are going to be solid. He's not that guy. Uh, text from the 925, nobody's buying Jimmy G jerseys. Won't put people in the seats. It's true about that. Mailman Raider said, Q, the only positive about having Jimmy G is that most of Raider Nation would agree on being out on him since uh, – uh, instead of the 50-50 split with D.C. So that's from Mailman Raider. Uh, 510 says, being petty, I hope the Raiders get Jimmy G. Even though he, was a, he has a winning record, he's not that guy. Jimmy G has been carried by loaded teams and will win half the games Carr did. We'll show a lot of guys Carr wasn't top five on the Raiders' list of issues, but also hopefully put the quarterback record argument to bed. Realistically, I hope the Raiders trade up to five if they have to and, and go with AR or CJ. Both are top talents, and if uh, Josh McDaniels is supposed to be the coach where all uh, being sold he is, Raiders should be able to rank in the top ten in offense. Um, also, Gizmo said, Jimmy G had happy feet, got injured behind one of the strongest and highest paid offensive lines in the league. I cringe to think him about him being behind our Swiss cheese of an interior. He's a terrible fit for us, in my opinion, because we need someone with a lots of wiggle. Roll with Stidham. And then one more text from 925. Vinny, Raiders are not keeping anyone under 20. LOL. So there you go. Those are the texts right there. Any of those stand out to you at all, Damon, or anything that you heard there that you wanted to respond to? I don't really get the uh, the uh, Vinny. The Raiders aren't keeping anybody under twenty. I think that they were talking about the the twenty uh, something million dollars that that I was saying that uh you know Vinny said that Jared Stidham might or not Jared Stidham excuse me that um that Jimmy G might be able to get be had for. I'm assuming that that's what they're talking about. That was the only one that stood out, just because I didn't understand the reference. But okay, yeah, because he said something about twenty million dollars or twenty, not twenty, but like twenty-three or twenty-four million dollars. I just don't see anyone signing a deal at a quarterback position that you know has been there, done that in the twenties at all. I think it starts at the thirties. I mean, I really do, and that's that's part of the problem for me is giving that kind of money to Jimmy G. I just I don't see it, but. You know, I've, I've been wrong a million times. I'll be wrong a million more times. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But there's a couple young guys that everyone's curious about. Some are very high on. Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Ted Wynn from The Athletic. He broke him down, had a really good piece in The Athletic. We'll talk to him next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 329 is the time. We're efforting Ted Wynn from The Athletic. We'll get him in a few minutes just to talk about his piece that he put out on uh, The Athletic that was really good about Anthony Richardson and also 
um, Will Levitz and kind of compared and contrasting them. I thought it was a really, really good piece. So uh, definitely want to hear his breakdown on it. Read his breakdown, but definitely want to read his break or want to hear his thoughts on it and really talk about what uh, you know what he's seen from these quarterbacks that aren't guys that are going to be day one starters, but guys that could go out there and obviously they have a very high ceiling. And so teams are going to be very intrigued by him. If you're looking for the piece on the Athletic, Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis, which quarterback is worth the risk? in 2023's NFL Draft. So we'll get to Ted in just a few minutes. I threw out there a question uh, that I'd love to hear from you on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r You could also use that anytime when we're talking to a guest. If you want us to ask them a question, we'll be happy to do that as well. Again, 69187, keyword r But free agency opens up next week. The Raiders have a handful, and I mean a large handful, of their own free agents, about 26 of their own guys. They re-signed Amir Abdullah to a one-year deal. Not that that was a big priority, but... They re-signed him to a one-year deal, so he's back. Any other players on the current roster that you look at and you think they need to re-sign them before they have an opportunity to talk to other teams next week? So that's something you could ask or hit us up and let us know about on the on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Joining us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is Ted Wynn, and he has a piece out again that's really good. Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis, which quarterback is worth the risk in 2023's NFL draft? And, Ted, thanks so much for your time. Fantastic piece that you put out there, man. I was excited to talk to you about this piece. And, I mean, comparing and contrasting the two quarterbacks, they both have big ceilings and they both have big risk. Uh, when you look at Will Levis, let's start with him. What do you think the biggest risk is when it comes to drafting Will Levis? Well, I think with Will Levis, he he's, he's a lot older than Richardson and older for a, a quarterback prospect. He's going to be 24 when the season starts, so you kind of worry if you know he's kind of already maxed out his potential, or you know he's a little too old when it comes to the end of that rookie contract. Um, and you know, with Levis. He has all the arm talent in the world, and um, the risk, obviously, is he wasn't very productive at Kentucky, even in his most productive year in 2021. You know, the numbers don't blow you away. But when you look at the supporting cast he had in, in Kentucky, especially in 2022, uh, he had really bad protection. There was a lot of breakdowns. He didn't have a lot of talent to throw to. Um, so you're kind of projecting that he'll do better with a better supporting cast around him, and he could develop some of those high-end traits. And another thing that jumped out on film uh, while, while watching Levis is, uh, you know, he it's not like he's gets skittish in the pocket, but as far as pocket management, he doesn't do a good job at times. He's kind of ignorant of the pass rush. He'll, he'll stand in there and take hits, but he doesn't really do a good job of manip- manipulating the pocket, kind of like Kirk Cousins. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn from The Athletic, talking all things Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. He put out a piece kind of comparing and contrasting. So a lot of people have mocked Will Levis to the Raiders, including your colleague Dane Brugler there at The Athletic. Do you think that Will is a good fit for what Josh McDaniels wants to do? Um, I think Josh McDaniels has been searching for a dual-threat quarterback for for a long time. You know, I think um, in New England, people think that because they had Tom Brady for a long time and then uh, Mac Jones, that he's looking for, you know, a pocket quarterback, a guy that could sit back and just throw accurately. Uh, but I just think based on some of the quarterbacks that he has tried to acquire, like, you know, getting Cam Newton at the end of his career, um, I think he's been looking for that dual threat type of quarterback. So uh, I wouldn't say there is a specific type that fits into uh, Josh McDaniel's offense, um, but I think that you know, he wants a guy that could create out, out of structure. And um, with the well-levels, he can make every type of, uh, every type of throw. 
Uh, he's athletic enough to create out of structure. He could do damage with his legs. I think in, on the next level, teams will have to account for his ability to run. I don't think uh, he's quite athletic enough to, to run a high-volume um, high, high option type of offense, but he, he could definitely do damage on his legs as a scrambler. Well, let me ask you this about Will Levis, because a lot of people have pointed out that he's got it between the ears, a really smart dude, and what we've heard about Josh McDaniel's system is that it's a really complex system, and it, it takes a lot to pick it up. Do you think that he'd be a guy that'd be able to pick up what Josh McDaniels is trying to coach pretty quickly? That, that I can't tell you, because you know you, that you have to be in the meeting rooms, and you have to um, kind of really test guys on the board. Uh, so, you know, you can't tell that from watching the film. Um, I know that he did run a pro-style type of offense in, um, in college because he had uh, pro-style type of coaches uh, that came from the Rams and that McVay tree and Shanahan tree. Uh, so he does have some experience running a pro offense, but uh, you know, as far as his recall ability, his, his ability to pick up uh, a more complex offense, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you without being in those, in those meeting rooms. Ted Wynn is our guest from The Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Go ahead, DeMond. Now, we understand that both of these quarterbacks would be a bit of a gamble. When it comes to Anthony Richardson, a lot of the times, one of the areas that you have for improvement would be the sale passes. Now, when it comes to the footwork, do you think that Josh McDaniels is the right quarterback coach or, you know, that, that head coach that would be able to fix that? And that's, such, that's more of a fixable issue than some of the issues that, let's say, Will Levis has. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think uh, McDaniels has a reputation as a you know QB guru type of coach, so I, I think you would hope that you know he can fix footwork, and we've seen um, a lot of quarterbacks actually improve their footwork dramatically from college to NFL. So there are a lot of examples of uh, players doing that, and you know as far as footwork is just basically coaching and reps. You know it's not like an innate ability that you can't teach. Um, so I, I think it can be refined, and you know I think. With Richardson, there are there's, there's a lot of tape of him running drop back concepts that require him to um, you know use similar techniques and similar reads to what you'll see in the NFL. It's not like he was in this you know college spread type of offense like Malik Willis was, um, where you don't see a lot of translatable skills and reads. Uh, so I think that benefits Richardson. And how was he in the pocket when it comes to hanging in there too long or the ability to feel the blitz coming? Yeah, I think Richardson's pocket presence is one of the, his plus traits and one of the reasons why you know I, I think he can develop into a good quarterback because he does have a feel for where the rush is. I, I think he does make a concerted effort to stay in the pocket and manipulate the rush from within the pocket instead of just breaking outside of it whenever he feels pressure. I think he can be a little more efficient with his feet in, in the pocket, but I think uh, that just takes more coaching and more experience. And when you watch the tape on Richardson, what was the one game that stood out to you that says, hey, this guy is worth all the hype, or at least that first-round pick that he's projected to be? Uh, you know, I, I think when you look at the LSU game, he was really impressive in the LSU game. Uh, the, the first game of the season, he was extremely impressive as well. And, you know, a lot of people point to his Florida State game as a bad game, but when you watch that game, there was a lot of passes that were dropped, uh, including a key one on 3rd and 10 on a potential game-winning drive. Um, so, you know, when you, when you watch his games, I, I think he had pretty decent protection, but his uh, receiving talent was, um, there, there was just not a lot of receiving talent at, at Florida. I think that hurt his completion percentage. And again, he ran a drop back offense. You know, he didn't run a spread offense with a bunch of gimmies that helped pad it up his stats. 
so, so that helps. But, uh, yeah, I think when you look back at the LSU game and you really break down the Florida State um, game, there, there's a lot of impressive plays. Comparing and contrasting still, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Ted Wynn is our guest. Wanted to stick with Anthony Richardson, and how do you get him more reps, Ted? Because he only has, what, 13 career college starts, and I feel like he needs to play a little bit more, but he's also not ready to play in the NFL. So how does a coach or a team go about getting him ready when he just really needs some more reps under center? Uh, well, I think he can use some time to sit and some time to just really digest the playbook without having the pressure to go out there and perform. Okay. Um, you know, and, and work on his footwork, work on his technique, really hone in on those those things in year one. Uh, I'm not saying that he should sit out the entire year, but I think he should take some time to um, just really work on those things. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had to take a year as well, and he was more polished than Richardson coming out of college. Uh, but... The, the, just the fact that he can be an explosive option, running those option type of plays will get him on the field. Because, you know, we, we saw it with Jalen Hurst, we saw it with Lamar Jackson. Um, in the beginning, the, the offenses they ran were really heavy on those option type of plays. That's good and that gave the offense something useful they could do while they're developing as passers. Um, so just his threat of his legs, and, you know, we saw how athletic he was at the Combine. Uh, we'll put, you know, we'll give we'll give him something useful to do while he's on the field, and give him some time to develop as a passer, and they could just kind of eject more um, drop back passing into the offense as he gets better. But in the beginning, it'll just be option heavy. Going to Will Levitz, do you think he helped his stock or hurt his stock at the combine? Um, you know, I, I think some of his the athletic testing that he did um, he did perform in he he did well. Um, and reportedly, he, he did well in meetings as well. So I think he did help his stock. What about Anthony Richardson? And well, we all saw the athletic ability and the the way he threw the ball. What, what do you think about his stock? I mean, uh, do you think he made himself a top ten pick now? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think with Richardson, um, if you liked Richardson before the combine, then you liked him more after the combine, you know, or mm-hmm. just a little bit more because you already knew he was a supreme athlete um and if you didn't like richardson then you know i don't know if he changed a lot of minds because you know he didn't answer those questions of can he develop as passer and he he can't answer those questions in the offseason you know and and again i think with richardson those meetings and uh with those teams matter more and, and we don't have access to that as you know outsiders right when it comes to Will Levis and him, not so much as reading the defense, but the passes that he would make on the field, do you feel like he forces it a little too much? The only game that I really studied of him was against Ole Miss, and I saw that sometimes if he's not forcing it, he's comfortable with the checkdowns, but not so much letting the play develop. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the things with Richardson, he doesn't force the issue. He's not a guy that's going to throw up the, throw the ball into double coverage or you know, just throw these kind of Jameis Winston type of pass prayers up. He, he doesn't do that. You know, he'll, he'll ra- he'd rather take the check down. Um, and I think that might, that's probably a good thing. You know, you don't want to have to coach a guy to not throw up these prayer balls and put the ball in harm's way. Um, so, you know, as he gets more comfortable, you want to see a little uh, more downfield aggression. Um, but as far as just not chucking the ball up into danger, I think, um, he does a pretty good job of uh, protecting the ball. I think the interception he, he did throw, is, it was more a product of him um, just being fooled by the defense or, or not seeing a defender. And, again, 
when you have a guy that is just this young and doesn't have as many reps playing quarterback, I think those things can be improved depending on, you know, how hard he works and how hard he studies and, and just getting more experience. I know that this piece that you put out was about these two quarterbacks in particular, but do you still have them ranked three and four behind Young and Stroud? Yeah, I think they are ranked three and four. I think Stroud probably did the best at the combine as far as just throwing. He, you know, almost every pass he threw was on the money, and it, you know, it was with guys that he doesn't have chemistry with. So I think Stroud, um, you know, did pretty well at the combine for himself. And uh, with Bryce Young, you know, it. I, I don't know how teams view him because his size it does matter. You know, as, as a guy who makes plays extending and uh, just being one of the lightest quarterbacks ever um, to, to play the game, it, it's going to be an issue. So I think some, te- some teams might view as bigger issues than the, the other, but when they're just judging it on, on tape, you know, he um, – he looks like a number one pick. Talking right now with Ted Wynn for the Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And I say, Ralph, just got a couple more questions for you. What did you think about C.J. Stroud and his performance at the Combine? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we all know new C.J. Stroud was a very complete prospect. And uh, he, he just threw the ball so effortlessly and, and accurately. And, again, he, he's throwing the guys that he doesn't have timing with. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot of time throwing and, understanding how fast they are, and he was still uh, hitting these guys on stride right on the money. So I think he just showed his um, natural accuracy, which um, is a big deal, and I think you know, scouts were pretty impressed by the way he threw. What about Head and Hooker? I know he didn't do anything. He didn't work out because of the ACL he's coming back from, but kind of what do you project from him? What do you see from him on the film? Can his game translate to the NFL? Yeah, I think it could translate, but I just think, you know, again, he can be an older prospect. He played in an offense that isn't really translatable to the NFL. He ran a lot of the Baylor-type you know, <laughs> offense where you're just isolating receivers and letting them run these wild option routes that, you know, you won't really see in a league. Uh, but he is a very intelligent player, so, you know, I think he can pick up an NFL offense, but just as far as projecting, it's kind of hard just based on the offense he ran. He's older and coming off an ACL injury. So um, there's a lot of kind of red flags when you look at a prospect like Hennon Hooker. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, the, the, there are some big, you know, good traits that are uh, attractive as well. So, um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I don't know where he drafted, likely in the second or, or, or third round. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's a reason for that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it's, it's funny, man. Hendon Hooker feels like he's all over the place. I thought he was a day two guy. I've heard people say he's a day one guy, a first round guy. I mean, there's, I guess there's a lot of conversations. Whatever flavor Kool Aid you like is what you're going to end up doing and seeing where Hendon Hooker fall, uh, falls in the draft coming up at the end of April. Well, Ted, we'll close out with this. Uh, look into your, your crystal ball, and I know it's impossible, but go ahead and look into your crystal ball and let me know which one you think has the better NFL career Anthony Richardson or Will Levitz? Oh, that's, that's tough just because, you know, we talked about the range of outcomes with these guys. Uh, but, yeah, I think I like Richardson's, um, Richardson's potential a little bit more. Again, he's younger, just doesn't have much experience. And, and you know, this is a traits league, and um, we've seen the top, this new type of prototype uh, for quarterbacks like Mahomes and Josh Allen. And he, he, you know, he has traits to develop that. So, um, and, and he sounds like a, a kid that's going to work hard, and teams seem to, you know, have fallen in love with him. And, these interviews, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Richardson. 
There it is. Ted Wynn says, Anthony Richardson, obviously it's a hard sell, and we'll never know, or we, at least we won't know for quite a while, right? We're not going to know anytime soon, but uh, fantastic work, and like I said, the piece that you put out on The Athletic, I thought it was great. Great job with that. What do you got working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for? I'm just writing about Lamar Jackson and mm. uh, what kind of uh, what, what you know, dream destinations there are for him and where he would thrive the best. So uh, that, that piece should be out tomorrow. Is there any any chance that one of those dream destinations would be the 702? I, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, he goes <laughs> to the Raiders. He would, he's never had as much receiving talent as uh, the, the Raiders do have, have now to work with. So, And, again, you know, we, we just talked about Josh McDaniels who's always been searching for that dual-threat quarterback, you know, and Lamar Jackson's the ultimate one. So I, I think that would be a dream destination. Boom, there it is right there. We'll have to definitely check out that piece on The Athletic. Well, Ted, thanks so much for your time. It's always great catching up with you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. There he is, Ted Wynn from The Athletic, giving us good time right there, talking Anthony Richardson versus Will Levitz. And that's the thing, Damon. It just seems like it really depends on what you like. You know, there's there's things to like about Will. There's things to like about Anthony. There's things to not like about Will. There's things not to like about Anthony. But he did intrigue me, not going to lie. And I don't know, maybe this is my bad for only thinking about this right now once he said so. It would intrigue me to see a guy like Anthony Richardson come in on certain downs Similar to what we thought Marcus Mariota was going to do when they when they when they signed him, but he's such a big dual guy. The Richardson guy. package, right? Well, I kind of you know what I think of as soon as he said that, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know why it took me so long to click. It's, it, it reminded me of when Cap would go in with the the 49ers, when they had Alex Smith and Kaepernick would go in for a few plays here and there, and you knew that he was going to run the ball, but you also knew he had a strong-ass arm and he had the ability to throw. And, I mean, there was the 49ers don't make that Super Bowl where they lost to Baltimore and New Orleans. They don't make that Super Bowl if they don't have Cap, right? I mean, his legs and his arms are what really – or his arm is what really got him to the Super Bowl. They don't, they don't do that just with Alex Smith. I would be intrigued, right? I haven't been on the, the board of Anthony Richardson. I know Tashawn Reed's been big on Anthony Richardson. Others been big on Anthony Richardson. I haven't. I would be intrigued by seeing that kind of package if you had a good veteran in front of him. I don't know. Maybe you need someone that's a little bit better than Jared Stidham. I don't know. I just, <laughs> there's a lot of questions out there, but that would be intriguing to me, and I think Raider Nation would get pretty fired up to see whatever veterans out there that all of a sudden they see big old Anthony Richardson run into the game, and you're like, oh, damn, look out, here it goes. And it could be one of those things that that's how you get him acclimated to the offense, and then at some point you just hand the reins over and say, all right, young fella, go out and do what you do. That's intriguing to me. Ted just planted a seed. 348 is the time. That's what we do around here. We plant seeds, we water them, and we see if they grow. Let us know what your thoughts are. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network joins us at the top of the hour. Many uh, thanks to Ted Wynn from The Athletic who just joined us in the last segment. Really good breakdown of Anthony Richardson. And Will Levitz thought that that was really good since there's so much conversation about which one is better, uh, who should they draft, who should the Raiders draft, who fits in Josh McDaniel's system better. Thought it was a really good breakdown right there, kind of comparing and contrasting the two guys. Let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Raider Rad. Raider Red or Raider Rad? Raider Red. What's up, Raider Red? Welcome to the show. Q, thank you for having me on. How are you? Oh, fantastic. I'm blessed, man. Thank you. So I just wanted to um, just call, you know, here's how I look at things. Okay. I think that, yes, we should go after Stidham. We should re-sign him because it's going to be at a minimal contract. 
Okay? That's going to allow us to keep money. It's going to allow us to keep draft picks. And we can start building our defense because what has been our Achilles heel for years? No defense. Mm -hmm. No defense. You know? And and how many first-round or first-pick quarterbacks won the Super Bowl? The percentage is pretty low. Okay? Usually... It's somewhere 24, second round, something like that. So I think that the, the thing we should do, hey, go with Stidham. Okay. Try and get um, a quarterback in the later rounds or a little later in the draft, not with our seventh pick, maybe even trading back and also um, holding on to a draft pick so we can get a quarterback like a hooker, okay? Build up that defense because, again, so many Super Bowl teams had great defenses, good running games, and not a great quarterback. See, you can win like that. But you can have a top-rated quarterback and a subpar defense. You're not going to win a, a Super Bowl. And and like I said, for years we've had such a bad defense. We need to build that up, man. Build it up. Build it up. Get ourselves a, a, a quarterback and start developing him. Um, Josh McDaniel's system is not the easiest in the first place. So mm-hmm. bringing somebody in um, and expecting them to pick up on the system right away is going to be kind of tough unless you get somebody who who's been in the system before. Jimmy G cannot stay healthy. We need to save the money. We don't need to be taking a chance there. Okay? And I don't think that we need to be thinking about Josh Richardson or, or, or Richardson, I'm sorry. Yeah. And here's why. How many quarterbacks, 6'4", 244 pounds, running a 4'4", um, have won a Super Bowl? Now, if this guy was a, a receiver or a corner or a linebacker, I'd be super excited. But you know what? The last I checked, the ball gets from point A to point B a lot faster by throwing it. And that, therefore, we need somebody who has the mental capacity and has the arm um, um, strength um, to deliver the ball when they need to. I'm not saying it needs to be the strongest arm in the world. Yeah. But just get the ball when they're supposed to, just like Joe Maddox, Montana. Did you, let me ask you this real quick. Don't hang up. Uh, did you like Cam Newton when he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl? I, I did. But here, here's, here's the thing about that. I mean, it wouldn't have been my first pick. But I think that um, Josh McDaniels did the best that he could with what he had. Also, you know, you, you can't have a quarterback who's um, run first, okay? okay? It's like Steve, it's like, um, uh, Steve uh, what's his name, Steve uh, from the 49ers. Um, Steve Young. Young. Steve Young. Steve Young did not become a passing uh, or, or a starting quarterback until he figured out that, hey, you know what, i got to stop running. I can throw the ball, and I can run when I need to and get out of bounds and get down. But the ball is going to move faster when I get the ball into the hand of the playmaker. See, quarterbacks are facilitators. Get the ball into the hands of the person who's going to make plays. That way you prevent yourself from getting hurt and you advance the ball down the field a lot faster. That's the bottom line to that. Okay. I like it. I like it. Good stuff, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about just pure size, and I'm not saying Anthony Richardson is Cam Newton, but when you're talking about just size and ability – I mean, you're, you're looking at a guy that's Cam Newton-like. Now, Cam Newton, I mean, he in college was fantastic, phenomenal, won a national championship basically on his own, <laughs> right? He carried a team to a national championship. So I'm not even trying to compare the two guys, but I'm just based off of size and athletic ability. Uh, you, could, you could say that when it comes to Anthony Richardson. He, he would be, he'd be a hell of a, a, a project. I think Will Levis would be a hell of a project as well. Gizmo said, I don't know, Q. You say Richardson's ceiling might be Kaepernick. I think his floor might be Taysom Hill. 
That's a lot of risk for my liking, but you're right about one thing. We'd all be fired up just by trying to see in a Richardson package from time to time. That's Geese Mode on the Dobybroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. When we come back, we kick off hour number three of the show. Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network joins it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.